Welcome to the Morning Magazine on KGNU Community Radio. It's July 28th of 2023. I'm your host, Kira Zizzo. Up first on today's show, the City of Boulder will co-host an immigration law clinic tomorrow with a law professor from CU Boulder. We'll have the details. Jimmy Searfoss will sprint in to give us his weekly update on local sports news. And on .org, we'll hear about a local organization that aims to provide a transformative outdoor experience to women and girls. We'll have a BBC News update at 8.30, and then it's time for Connections. The first two episodes of Connections will be on the crisis in Israel and Palestine. This morning, KGNU's Joel Edelstein interviews Peter Bamberger, an Israeli Zionist in Tel Aviv and Salwa a Palestinian in a refugee camp and Nablus in the West Bank. Your calls are invited on Connections. Then at 9.30, Meredith Carlson will be in to host the Morning Sound Alternative. That's all still coming up, but first, the headlines with KGNU's Benita Lee. Gunnison County was holding its mandatory evacuation order for Mill Creek residents near the low-line wildfire as of Thursday evening. Local and federal ground crews and helicopters are battling the forest blaze between Gunnison and Crested Butte. The fire, which was sparked by lightning, has reached over 700 acres with zero containment. A petition to empower the mayor and restructure Aurora's government has garnered enough valid signatures to proceed to the next stage of appearing before voters in the fall. KGNU's Jack Armstrong has more. The petition collected 12,198 valid signatures, surpassing the required threshold of 12,017. The proposed charter amendment aims to eliminate the city manager's position and merge their authority with the mayor, who would also gain veto power over city council legislation. The amendment would also introduce an at-large council member and reduce term limits for mayors and council members. Advocates for the amendment argue that it would create a more efficient government while a bipartisan group of lawmakers opposes it, viewing it as a power grab for Mayor Mike Kaufman. Opponents accuse canvassers of misleading the public when gathering signatures. The sponsors of the proposal have remained silent while Kaufman has expressed support for the amendment, presenting it as a term limit item. Voters who believe their signatures were solicited improperly have until August 14th to submit written protests. The final determination will depend on the outcome of protests and potential litigation. For KGNU, I'm Jack Armstrong. Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser joined 22 other state attorneys general Thursday to denounce a proposed settlement between a chemical manufacturing company and hundreds of water providers. KGNU and Report for America's Jackie Sedley reports. The lawsuit alleged that 3M, a chemical manufacturing company, contaminated drinking water across the country with PFAS, or forever chemicals. The suit sought compensation for water quality damages and health injuries caused by PFAS. PFAS have been found worldwide in the environment, as well as in the blood of people and animals. Last year, Weiser sued 15 manufacturers of a firefighting foam that contains toxic PFAS chemicals. Companies included Dow DuPont and Corteva, but not 3M. 3M offered to pay up to $12.5 billion to water providers. 
But Weiser and other state attorneys general say the settlement comes with a catch. In exchange for the money, 3M wants every water provider in the U.S. to take legal responsibility for the contaminated waste. The company's chairman announced the settlement in June, calling it a, quote, important step forward for 3M, and said the company plans to stop making all PFAS by the end of 2025. For KGNU and Report for America, I'm Jackie Sedley. In what has been called an historic shift, Denver Metro transportation officials voted unanimously this week to cut train and bus fares in 2024. Board members of the Regional Transportation District, or RTD, agreed to reduce one-time fares to $2.75, a compromise between the current local fare of $3 and the regional fare of $5.25. Monthly bus passes will drop to $88, local services currently $114 monthly, while regional or airport service is $200 per month. RTD officials say the changes address customer concerns about high costs, complicated rate tiers, and greater access to transportation. Businesses that install a public electric vehicle charging station can now apply for a rebate. Efficiency Works, an energy efficiency collaboration across northern Colorado, is offering local businesses a $5,000 rebate for installing a public EV charging station. Businesses are eligible if they receive service from Longmont Power and Communications, Estes Park Power and Communications, Fort Collins Utilities, or Loveland Water and Power. Trails accessible to popular 14ers via private land are reopening today, but only to those willing to scan a QR code and sign a liability waiver on their smartphones. KGNU's Grace Gabriel has more. The trails lead to Mount Lincoln and Mount Democrat. Landowner John Raber, who owns mining claims on both 14ers, collaborated with outdoor recreation advocates, the U.S. Forest Service, and the town of Alma to address concerns that stemmed from a key court case a few years ago. Private landowners with free trail access realized their legal vulnerability when, in 2019, a biker injured on an unofficial trail sued the land's owner, the Colorado Air Force Academy. After the biker won in court and was awarded $7.5 million, Reber was one of several landowners who closed access to popular 14ers. A coalition which worked with Reber towards the liability waiver solution is urging that the Colorado Recreational Use Statute be amended to better protect landowners and allow recreationists to enjoy more of Colorado. The coalition and Reber both say the liability waiver is a temporary solution to a larger problem. For KGNU, I'm Grace Gabriel. This afternoon, a chance of showers and thunderstorms. Winds could gust as high as 22 miles per hour. In Boulder, a high near 94 and a low around 63. In Denver, a high near 95 and a low around 64. In Fort Collins, a high near 95 and a low around 61. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee. listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm Kira Zizzo. The City of Boulder and the University of Colorado Boulder are partnering to co-host an immigration informational session on adjusting immigration status and where to seek financial assistance in the midst of uncertainty. KGNU's Yvonne Olivas has more. 
I would like to think that many of us are curious about new people who worship different gods and eat different foods. That is Violeta Chapin, a criminal and immigration defense law professor at the University of Colorado Boulder. That is certainly something this sort of push and pull of fear and curiosity has been really what's defined our country. And so I think we are also a nation of laws. She is speaking about immigration and the United States, a topic she will be addressing at an immigration information event hosted by the University of Colorado Boulder and the city of Boulder on Saturday, July 29th. Chapin says free legal immigration help, although needed, is scarce. So we don't have a public defender for immigrants, and so we don't have a federally funded system, although we do have a very well-funded federally, so immigration system, right? All the billions of dollars that goes into buying new drones and tanks for the border doesn't unfortunately mean that we're going to get money for free lawyers. So there's very few free resources. But Chapin and the city of Boulder are trying to make legal resources more accessible to community members. Chapin is partnering with the city of Boulder's equity policy advisor, Ana Silvia Avendaño Guriel, to provide legal assistance on general topics to the local community. I think as government, for somebody who works for local government, we really do have a responsibility to think and take care of the people who make this community great. Avendaño Curiel is a first-generation immigrant and says the local immigrant population helps Boulder to thrive and to have a more welcoming and inclusive environment. She hopes the event on Saturday will help to answer questions about general immigration topics that are often overlooked or come at too high of a cost. It's the first session, which is part of a three series that we will be doing throughout this year. And it is around offering information to our immigrant community or really anyone who is interested in furthering their their education around the immigration process and specifically focusing on getting some of the questions that often our immigrant community asks, we ask of ourselves. As a myself, as a first generation immigrant, navigating this system along with my siblings and my mom, figuring out um, also supporting another family member and being able to bring them to come. And just all the questions that we tend to ask on, can my child, you know, sponsor me? What about my status as a student? And now I'm possibly getting married. What are the, what are the possibilities for that? The event will be hosted in Spanish, but will be translated in other languages, acknowledging the influx of immigrants and refugees from other countries. Chapin stressed the importance of accessible legal help to both immigrants and refugees. I think all of the lawyers would agree that there isn't enough access to legal assistance for immigrants because still, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of immigrants that can't afford the services of a lawyer. And unfortunately, sort of incoming refugees, like asylum seekers, you know, they get here, they're barely made it out of their country. Right. And they're here and they don't have any money for a lawyer and they're forced to navigate a system that is very complicated, that is hostile in many ways to them. And we have hundreds of thousands of immigrants, non-citizens going through the court immigration court system without a lawyer. And I think that is shameful. Saturday's information session also comes as the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, program hangs in legal limbo pending a ruling. The Supreme Court has deferred to a lower court to determine the legality of the program that came into effect during the Obama administration. 
DACA grants work authorization and protection from deportation to those who meet a long list of qualifying criteria. The future of the program is now before a federal judge in Texas who has ruled against Obama-era programs to extend immigrant rights. If DACA is overruled, as many legal observers predict, it will directly affect tens of thousands of Colorado residents, including many students at Colorado universities. Immigration's legal landscape is looming above many students' heads. Chapin says this is also nothing new. You know, there's a tremendous amount of uncertainty right now about our immigration landscape as it pertains to a number of people, but that's certainly been true for the last, you know, I don't know, my entire life here in the United States um, with ups and downs as it goes. And over the years, we have struggled with who to admit, right? How many to admit? And when, and in, in part because, you know, humans, getting back to sort of our base instincts, like we tend to stick with what we know. And when something else comes in that is foreign or confusing, sometimes people are frightened by that. But the legal ramifications of overturning DACA specifically and restricting immigrants' rights in general have ripple effects across the community. City of Boulder's Avendaño Curiel hopes to inspire understanding in Boulder residents who may not be immigrants about what's at stake when some residents don't enjoy the same rights as their U.S.-born neighbors. It's our responsibility, right? We make up a huge part of the community. We work hard. This is our home. This is our home. And so the, the more we are able to understand one another, really understand that not everybody has the same access when it comes to being able to stay in this country, it can really create a lot of empathy and, and a lot of understanding as to why it can be hard for some individuals to navigate such a complex system. And so the more we're able to be in support of one another, I think the better our community will be. Saturday's immigration information session will take place from 10 to 11.30 a.m. at City Council Chambers in downtown Boulder. It will be hosted in Spanish with translation in other languages, and free child care is available. For KGNU, this is Ivan Olivas. Pikas are small, hamster-like creatures that are often seen perched on rocks and most hikers will recognize their loud squeaking sound. They sound something like this. But they aren't just cute. Pikas play an important role in the food web of our high alpine environment. And for the past 13 years, the Colorado Pika Project has been studying how climate change is impacting them. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Eleanor Bennett of Aspen Public Radio spoke with Alex Wells, who's been in the project for several years. Can you tell us a little bit more about the project and why it's focused on pikas? Yeah. So the Colorado Pika Project is a community science initiative. So we are bringing together volunteers from across Colorado to keep tabs on the American pika, which is this fluffy little rabbit relative that only lives high up in the mountains. And we're interested in pikas because they are really sensitive to temperature. And Colorado is getting warmer. 
our snowpack is decreasing on average each year. And our concern is that pikas might start to disappear as well. And what have you learned so far about how pikas are doing here in the valley and across the state? So it seems like at the moment, pikas are doing pretty all right up at high elevations, like in the core habitat that people think pikas only live in. But pikas do get down to lower elevations too. And when I say lower, I mean normally like above 8,000 feet, but like in the forest. And in some of those places, we are starting to see signs that they are on the decline here in Colorado. In other places, like the Great Basin or some ranges in California or Utah, pikas have already disappeared. They're not there anymore. And there are some models that suggest that that is going to happen here in Colorado too by the end of the century. So what we want to do now is continue the data set that we're gathering in White River National Forest and Rocky Mountain National Park especially. So those two places we've only been really monitoring at full scale there for about three years now. And we want to get a longer data set to draw some conclusions about how pikas are doing right now. And is climate change the main driving factor or are there other things at play as well? That is a good question. Our evidence suggests that it's climate change. In science, you're always cautious to say 100% that it's ever one single thing. But we are pretty confident that climate change has an impact on pikas. And I think the more interesting aspect of that is what is it about climate change? Is it making it harder for them to gather food in the summer that they need to survive for the winter? Is it making it harder for little pikas to find new patches of habitat to live in? Are they freezing to death in the winter because the snow is melting earlier and so there's not that insulating layer to keep them warm in the springtime? That's something that we're trying to figure out too. That was Alex Wells talking about the Colorado Pika Project. Find out more at pikapartners.org. There will be a training for volunteers on Loveland Pass on Saturday, August 5th. Thanks to Eleanor Bennett at Aspen Public Radio for that report. You're listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm Kira Zizzo. Coming up next, it's Sports Talk with Jimmy Searfoss. How do you even play soccer in Australia? Won't the ball just kind of fall off? Like, the world? Isn't that how that works? Hello and welcome to Sports Talk with Jimmy. I am your host, Jimmy Searfoss, coming at you with the best sports show here on KGNU. On this show, I normally bring you the best sports news and stories from across the front range, but today we are going international, and that is because the Women's World Cup has been underway all the way in the land down under where the kangaroos roam. That's right, I'm talking about the place where the spiders are as big as you are and the sharks live in the tap water, Australia. Here in the good old United States, men's soccer tends to be a sport that definitely does not get the kind of love that it does in other countries. I mean, we don't even call it by the same name, but when it comes to women's soccer, that is a different story. In the World Cup, the U.S. women's national team is shooting for its third straight title. That is three straight World Cup championships. That is beyond insane. And what brings this story about a national team to your ears here on KGNU is two players on it. I'm talking about Lindsey Horan and Sophia Smith. Both of these women hail from the Rocky Mountain State, just up the road from us stationed here in Boulder, Colorado. Horan comes from Golden, Colorado, and she played at Golden High School. And Smith comes from Windsor, Colorado. She played over at Fossil Ridge High School. 
you better believe they are representing Colorado to the best of their abilities so far because they have scored every goal for Team USA in this World Cup. That's right, no one on Team USA from any other state has scored a goal in these 2023 World Cup games but these two. Team USA's first game was a 3-0 win over Vietnam to kick off the event and Smith got busy fast and scored the first goal for Team USA in the 14th minute. Then followed it up in the 52nd minute with her second goal of the game and then Haran added to it when she put the third goal in in the 77th minute to solidify the victory. Next up for Team USA was the Netherlands who played Team USA this last Wednesday and things were a little bit tougher in that one. Team USA was actually trailing weirdly enough for the first half of this game. Thankfully Haran came through right at the beginning of the second half to even things up between the two teams. But that unfortunately was all the Team USA could muster as they would tie to end the World Cup game. Which just feels wrong. And the World Cup, the biggest event in the sport, you're going to tell me they're ending in a tie? Come on now, this isn't recess. They need to find out who a winner is and play till that. Regardless though, Coloradans are carrying the workload for Team USA who is taking on another tough opponent in their next match against Portugal at 1 a.m. on August 1st. So if you're a night owl, make sure you bust out your American flag and cheer on Team USA and fellow Coloradans as they look to three-peat in the Women's World Cup. And that is just about all I got for you here today on KGNU. Make sure you tune in next week at this same time for more and make sure to cheer on your Team USA. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Searfoss here on KGNU. Time now for .org, spotlighting the work of local nonprofits and co-ops. This is Stacey Johnson with KGNU.org. Joining me today is Christy Peoples, Executive Director of Women's Wilderness. Christy, I realize this is perhaps difficult to do, but can you provide a quick rundown of what Women's Wilderness is about and the mission of the organization? Yes, Stacey, I can. It won't be easy, but <laughs> Women's Wilderness is is a nonprofit organization that's committed to creating safe space for girls, women, and non-binary people of all ages, ethnicities, and backgrounds to find their place, their voice, and their power in the outdoors. And so we provide that by offering after-school programming for first-generation American youth, for refugee and asylee, uh, girls and non-binary folks, and we offer after-school rock climbing programs, all kinds of outings from backpacking, hiking, camping, to whitewater rafting, nature walks, all sorts of activities that engage women, girls, non-binary folks from age 8 to 88, more or less. What are some of the challenges or hurdles in accomplishing the organization's mission? So among our aspirational goals or vision is to really see an equitable, sustainable society, right? A place where every voice is welcome, every body is embraced. And that's more than a notion. And what that means as an organization is that we have a lot of work to do from where we are to get to that place. So it's one thing to say, we have this bright vision of having equity 
for everyone and welcoming everyone into these spaces where we know so many people are underrepresented, right? That's, that's, that's a goal. That's the great beyond where we are right now. And what it means in the meantime is that we come up against a fair amount of hurdles in that process. Maybe there's entrenched thinking or beliefs that are ingrained maybe by the culture, maybe by the conditioning of our caretakers that say, oh, well, if you're queer, if you're not a size two and kind of well-to-do in the culture, then you don't really belong in the outdoors. Or if you're not uh, bagging 14ers, as they say, or running ultra marathons, then why bother? So there's a dominant idea in the outdoor space that says you go big or you go home. You know, and a lot of people who might want to explore rock climbing or hiking or camping might say, well, I can't really climb a 14er. I don't, wa- I don't want to climb a 14er. And so maybe it's not for me. When actually women's wilderness steps in to say, you know, it is for you. It's everybody's inherent right to have access to nature. And also we believe in challenge by choice. So it's not that you have to do all the excessive outdooring. (laughs) Rather, you know, a nature walk, connecting with the natural spaces around us, connecting with the outdoors, connecting with the people that we journey and adventure with or brings with it its own sense of excitement access and belonging and that's where we have been since the inception of this organization meeting participants where they are and taking them from there into uncharted territory of a sort or into that wild unknown that could be an inner journey or an outer journey chrissy peoples thank you your time today and sharing information about women's wilderness. This is Stacy Johnson, KGNU.org. You've been listening to KGNU's.org. For more information on this organization or to listen to other episodes, please go to news.kgnu.org. You just listened to KGNU's Morning Magazine. Stay tuned for the BBC News Headlines.